Welcome to China Insider, a podcast from Hudson Institute's China Center. It's Tuesday, August fifteenth, and we have three topics for today. The first is the struggling Chinese economy and what China would need to do to set itself back on the path of economic growth. Second is a new agreement between the United States and Japan to jointly develop new missile technology to counter our adversaries' hypersonic capabilities. And third is the latest development in the spy war between the United States and China. Miles, how are you? Very good, Shan. Wonderful. For our first topic today, I'd like to discuss something we've talked about quite a bit already, which is the Chinese economy. And as we've noted. Uh, it suffered immensely over the past year. Whereas some expected a post-pandemic rebound, this certainly has not materialized. And with declining trade and foreign investment, a struggling housing market, which makes up one fifth of the PRC's economy, and now deflation, which is increasing the value of the debt already burdening Chinese citizens, businesses, and municipalities. Analysts are seeing little reason for optimism. These problems themselves are compounded by a much more staggering and long-term issue—that is, the devastating demographic issues as a result of the one-child policy. I'd just like to throw out some numbers、uh, for our listeners to put this in perspective. According to the Terry Group, which conducts actuar- actuarial studies, 14% of China's population is over 65 years of age today. That's up from 5% in 1990, and predicted to rise as high as 30% by 2050. They estimate China could lose an average of seven million working-age adults each year by the next decade. China not only has an aging population, but a shrinking one. In 2022, the population shrank for the first time since 1961, and the Terry Group predicts that they are on pace to lose nearly half of their population by the beginning of the 22nd century. Miles, can you shed some light on the PRC's situation? How bad is it really, and do you see any way for them to dig themselves out of this hole? The demographic challenge that you just cited. Is just one tip of the iceberg. China's problem is not just demographic. China's problem is this、uh, command economy dictated by the Chinese Communist Party. It believes that if the party、uh, waves its finger and the economy will magically improve, that magic finger is no longer working.、And、that's why China basically the economy is in a downward spiral and very fast, going down very fast. And the Chinese Communist Party is running out of ideas. You mentioned about the inflation. Inflation actually is not a problem. It's deflation the other way. Prices are dropping. That's normally is not a very good sign because that means that the Chinese customers will stop、uh, spending. Once the spending stops, and and then、um, you have、uh, a huge surplus of products produced by factories, which basically the factories will will have to re、uh, bankruptcy many times. So that's basically the problem. China's economy is not growing. It's basically retracting. That's also is、uh, manifest in China's、uh, dramatic decrease in its export. Right now, in July, China's export、uh, has dropped by fourteen percent, more than fourteen percent, and in decline. Import is、uh, declining as well by also double digit. Their net result is the incredibly exploding unemployment rate, youth unemployment rate. Which is the most alarming. This youth, by definition, is the age group between 16 and 24.、Uh, this is the most productive labor force. Chinese youth unemployment rate ranges between 20 to 40 percent. <laughs> That's worse than most of the third world countries. Traditionally, the local economy, the sub-nation governments, can save itself from all kind of financial economic woes 
by heavily speculating on land because China is a socialist country. Land is owned by the state, by the government. But now China's real estate industry has been collapsing for nearly a year now. So there is a terrible surplus of houses. Nobody wants to buy. And those who have speculated heavily on the real estate, they could not get rid of the uh, what what happened in their hands. So they're mostly under the water, so to speak. So th- what China has done is resort to what communists can do very uh, well, that is uh, to take money from the rich without regard to any uh, property protection at all. So right now, China is, uh, where the money is right now in China is, is in hospitals, for example, health industry. And the immigration consultancy, those are uh, firms that get a lot of people invested in the, for, in the United States, for example, and get an immigration visa. And Chinese government is now going after those uh, sectors. Hospitals, they want to go, go back to 20 years to, to, to basically you know, look at everybody's books. And uh, they just arrest the largest uh, immigration consultancy boss in Shanghai. That would have uh, impact upon thousands and thousands of uh, uh, rich people who have immigrated to the to the west over the last decades or so president biden actually said the other day in iowa uh, during a fundraiser he said the chinese economy is a ticking time bomb he was right and he also said that bad guys tend to do bad things when economy is in trouble on top of that president biden also issued a long-awaited uh, executive order uh, strengthening Um, our export control of chips and other high-tech technology to China. Decoupling is happening very fast, and the foreign investment in China's flow has slowed down dramatically. Western tourists, most of them, halted uh, their travel plan to China. And I think the American tourists to China dropped something like 90%. (laughs) In other words, the Chinese economy is in terrible, terrible shape, and it's all... Uh, the doings uh, of the Chinese Communist Party itself. I mean, you've painted a picture here in which you have a disenchanted young population that doesn't want to work. You have the government has eroded the trust of uh, not only businesses in China, but outside of China. You have this trend of foreign investment pulling out, of uh, uh, imports and exports decreasing. What would it take for China to dig itself out of this situation and get back on track towards growth? Is there anything they themselves can do? First of all, China must really, really make a huge effort to change China's non-market economy status. That is, to rely on market, not on the party bureau decisions, because they're not really market-driven. And secondly, it's very important, that is, to enact immediately constitutional protection of property rights. In China, you can make money, but the government can come in and seize all of your wealth uh, without any problem because uh, uh, it's legally sanctioned for the Chinese government to take all your wealth away. Unless China does the two things, and I don't see any real hope for Chinese economy to actually go back to the health, to be merged with the international free market trading system. If you do the two things that I just suggested, that would lay the foundation for the Communist Party's demise because it would change the regime fundamentally. Turning to defense, it's been reported that this week the U.S. and Japan will announce an agreement to jointly develop an interceptor missile to counter the hypersonic warheads produced by China, Russia, and North Korea. This is expected to be announced during Prime Minister Kishida's visit with President Biden this Friday. 
uh, where Biden will host President Yoon of South Korea and Prime Minister Kushida for a leader summit at Camp David to discuss increasing military cooperation and developing a crisis hotline. Miles, uh, could you speak a bit about the significance of this new cooperative effort on missile technology between the U.S. and Japan? The Japanese-American security cooperation is of profound geopolitical significance. That's because Japan has gone far ahead of the United States in terms of being alert on China's ambition, global ambition, starting with the regional ambition. Any military action China takes in East Asia is a fundamental challenge to China, to Japanese national security. What China would do to Taiwan is exactly what China might do to Japan itself. Based upon that realization, Japan has changed completely in the last half a year its defense posture. Uh, that would include Japan get rid of its uh, traditionally very conservative defensive posture and focusing on instead developing counter-strike and preemptive capabilities. That would include, obviously, the missile defense system, which is the essence of the current U.S.-China joint action you just mentioned. It's a very important part of Japan's global strategy, and American is obviously very happy about that. It's not just a, a symbolic U.S.-Japan defense move. It has a real teeth to it particularly facing the missile threat from China and North Korea. The uh, missile defense is of absolutely utmost importance for a country like Japan that's too close to the source of the threats uh, because the, the time to respond to incoming missiles were very limited because of geographic proximity. So that's why it's going to de jointly develop missile interceptors against uh, hypersonic missiles coming from China and coming from North Korea. After this, you might see similar joint development programs between the United States and India, even between the United States and Vietnam. In the background of this agreement is this leader summit uh, with South Korea, Japan, and the United States. South Korea and Japan are two countries that have, in the past, uh, had their differences. How significant is this summit as a step forward in deepening the ties between the two countries, in particular uh, in cooperating with the United States on security issues? The cornerstone of peace and stability in Northeast Asia is the tripartite alliance system between United States, Japan, and South Korea. This has been the case for several decades. However, China is able to play one against each other. Mostly, they use history issues, use the historical spat between South Korea and China to play the South Korean card. They almost succeeded until the South Koreans wake up to its uh, own security environment and try to amend the differences between Seoul and Tokyo. And Japan obviously has been very receptive to that. This alliance can also pave way to an entirely new nature of alliance system in East Asia and, and beyond. Right now, U.S., Japan, and South Korea, they have a bilateral defense, mutual defense arrangement, but not multilateral. 
Eventually, I think the three countries, including Philippines, will come together to join a to form a some NATO-like multilateral collective defense、uh, arrangement. That would be very ideal. That would be much much more deterrent to Chinese aggression in Asia Pacific. And I think I don't think that day is going to be very far because the South Korean president, the Japanese prime minister, Australian prime minister have said repeatedly that what might happen to Taiwan is tantamount to what might happen to their own countries. So that's why there is a common threat.、Uh, if there is a common threat, and then then there is a common defense. For our next topic, I'd like to switch to what could be called a budding spy or espionage war between the United States and China. Just this past week, an employee of a Chinese defense firm was arrested by the CCP, accused of supplying core information to the CIA. They claim he was explicitly trained and hired by the Central Intelligence Agency before returning to mainland China to report back to CIA personnel with sensitive military and technological information. Some commentators are calling our attention to the significance of PRC officials explicitly naming the CIA and calling out the U.S., whereas they would normally use vague language like foreign agents or certain countries. This is, of course, only the latest in a series of similar episodes. In June, we had the controversy over the spy base in Cuba, which Miles, you were quick to point out,、uh, had been operating for decades, despite the official statements of the White House. We had the infamous spy balloon, which traveled over the continental United States before being shot down、uh, in February of this year. And we've also seen China crack down on U.S. corporations operating in mainland China, raiding the offices of several U.S. corporations in April, and detaining employees temporarily under accusations of espionage. Are we? Seeing an escalation of this sort of activity, or has espionage between the two countries remained rather consistent? And second, could you just speak a bit about Chinese overseas intelligence capabilities and networks vis-a-vis the United States, and how each stacks up against one another? It's actually very funny because、uh, China hyped up this arrest of alleged CIA spy. China has conducted. Has been conducting espionage all over the world. I mean, their their spy network is massive and comprehensive all over the world. The, you talk about escalation. The only reason why this seems to be an escalation is because the West has struck back. Just、uh, about a week ago, the United States charged two U.S. Navy sailors for selling sensitive classified information to the Chinese military, Chinese spy agency. This is the, basically China wants to counter.、Uh, they arrest this alleged. Corporate、uh, Chinese businessman uh, selling uh, information to the Americans. The information is very vague.、Uh, there's a name, but there's only surname. We don't know exactly what he did. It's a no issue. China right now has becoming a national security state with extreme paranoia. The paranoia is about the U.S.-led CIA-operated color revolution to overthrow the Chinese Communist regime. And this paranoia is manifesting itself everywhere. Even during the the April Xi Jinping and Putin joint statement in Moscow,、uh, there are major concern is about the Western countries conducting color revolution, you know, <laughs> in their political orbits. That's why China enacted、uh, counter espionage law、uh, that took effect、uh, about a month ago. And there are basically by by definition, according to that law, every Westerner is by default a suspect. In some kind of espionage, spying、uh, scheme, and they also force corporate entities, including foreign corporate entities like HSBC and、uh, you know Walmart, 
in China to study Xi Jinping's thoughts. You know, brainwashing, right? This is required. What China is trying to do right now is try to recreate an informant culture like the Great Cultural Revolution of 1960s, 70s. In other words, they would encourage citizens to turn their friends and relatives、uh, to the authorities for profits. Two weeks ago, the Chinese Ministry of State Security put out a a announcement、uh, announcing the reward of five hundred thousand yuan. That's about seventy thousand U.S. dollars for information leading to the arrest of any foreign spy. That's created a lot of incentive. This is basically a backsliding into the、uh, the bad old days of Mao. So、uh, with the high tech、uh, development, this could be、uh, much worse. I see this as the、uh, logical development, logical corollary to the Chinese governance of the Communist Party. So there's a、uh, nothing surprising to me.、Uh, but again, you know, we don't know exactly how the Chinese society is going to turn out if everybody is turned. Uh, into some kind of informant.、Uh, just the other day, there was a a son、um, in his early twenties turned his father to the authorities for having、uh, made some anti CCP remarks at home. So this is just a very terrible development. It is terrible. Well,、uh, Miles, I think that's all the time we have for this week.、Uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with me, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Great, Chen. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of China Insider. For Chinese language listeners, be sure to check out our monthly Chinese language episodes. And for those who prefer written analysis, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, China Digest, the best place to stay up to date on Miles' analysis and the latest news on China. As always, you can stay up to date on the China Center's activities at Hudson.org.